every month or so we get an email or call from either a female consultant or a male consultant who is worried about work-life balance. In some cases, it's really, really difficult, and then in other cases, it's catastrophic. You know, it's leading to the entire world changing. In fact, it's even happened with some of the candidates we've placed, whereby they just cannot handle the pressure of uh, the amount of work they have to do. And secondly, the amount of work they have to do in the office is taking a toll on their personal lives. And we recently got a message, we recently spoke to um, a female engagement manager in the United States at McKinsey, who was destroyed because you know, she had spent her whole life with her husband building a career. And she had recently told her husband that unless she finds a way to spend more time with the family, you know, the marriage is going to be over. Now, before I comment on this, and I usually don't comment on these things, we usually guide candidates and give them a lot of advice and so on, but we don't post public comments because it's very easy to be taken out of context. I'm going to point out here that when when you receive this kind of statement, it's a little bit like missing two hours of a three-hour movie, arriving after two hours and being told to make an assessment of where the movie is going to go. The point I'm trying to make is there's a lot that has happened before this event that you have to take into consideration when deciding your options. For example, for example, right, was an agreement made with your husband that you would work really hard for the first three, four years and then spend more time with your family? Was an agreement made with your husband, for example, that you, you know, you would both fund your studies, you'd work really hard, then have children and support the family? So bottom line is what were the agreements made up front? You know, if no agreements were made, which is possible, you know, what were the signs, what were the expectations? If no agreements were made, there are always expectations in a relationship. Anyone who tells me there are no expectations is not in a relationship, but, you know, in a friends with benefits kind of scenario. The point is there are always expectations in a relationship, and just because you refuse to acknowledge them does not mean the other person does not understand they are there. For example, it was the expectation that you would work really hard to build a name for yourself, and once you had moved past the probationary period, you would spend more time, or Define what balance between home and work means. Does it mean that you spend more time at home? Or does it mean that you allocate at least one evening with your husband? Or does it mean that you spend more vacations with the family? Or does it mean spending more time with them but doing work from home? Or less time at home but when you are at home, spending only time with the family, no Blackberry, no laptops, no iPads, and so on. So I think that's very important to understand. Understand the context. Where is this coming from? What were the agreements made before? And what were the expectations? Secondly, and I see this a lot with people who have come from a past where they've struggled really hard to build themselves up. Whenever they feel that their partner is being unfair to ask that their career be put on a hold, they respond in an aggressive manner. So my advice to you is this. This is your husband or this is your wife. At the end of the day, the marriage is only going to be what you both decide to put in and what you both decide is worthwhile. So if your partner is unhappy, find out why they're unhappy. That's the most important thing, right? As a management consultant, I even use this terminology in relationships, you know. What were the expectations? What were the what was the original question? Why what is the root cause for the unhappiness? So find out what the root cause for the unhappiness is. Human nature is that humans never ever discuss what is really on their mind, but they use convenient excuses to raise their emotions. For example, if someone is complaining about a lack of home life, ba- uh, homework balance, 
they usually are complaining about a lack of attention from their partner and you can generate that attention by simple things not necessarily spending more time at home so the point is important to understand why the person is complaining and once you understand why the person is complaining it's a process of sitting down with them it's about coming up with a plan on how to make them happier and remember something making someone happy does not mean spending more time at home there could be other ways to do this but what you've truly got to understand is the agreements made in the past the expectations and the context unless you understand those three things you're most likely going to be making the wrong decision. I've seen many consultants get divorced, too many to even count. And I think there are a number of reasons for that. Firstly, a lot of them get sucked into the lifestyle of management consulting, whereby the hours, the travel becomes so difficult that it's very difficult for them to switch off when they go home. And their mind's still racing at 180 kilometers per hour, and when they get home, they need to spend some time by themselves just to reboot their engines. Imagine you arrive home and your you know, wife or husband hasn't seen you for a good couple of days, and all you want to do when you get home is actually just sit there and do nothing. They don't want to talk to anyone. That obviously will create the wrong impression. I always advise consultants to spend some time de-stressing before they get home, on a Friday or Saturday to make sure that when they do get home they're o- okay to talk to their family and spend time with their family. In fact, it was my habit that when I was a consultant I would make sure that an hour and a half before I got home on a Friday I'd actually spend time talking to the other consultants. It was not work related. It allowed me to sort of just relax. You know, there's nothing better than talking to smart people and understanding what they're doing and projects and so on. And they do most of the talking so I'm just sort of decompressing with my glass of wine at these um, you know, Friday cocktail get-together events. And then when, you, then when you actually get home, it's a lot easier to, to talk to someone. But, you know, that takes a lot of effort. And I do find that many consultants forget the amount of effort that's required to, to go into a relationship. Now, beyond that, there are a couple of things that I think you can do after this happens. I mean, if your partner is talking to you about divorce and so on, it's, it's a serious situation. and You've got to decide how you want to play this. Maybe divorce is a path you are considering and want to take. If not, then I think you've got to sit down with your partner and together agree what is convenient and acceptable for both of you. I mean, you know, some couples use Google calendars to make sure that the diaries are clear for everyone. And for example, if someone's going to be late for something, it's updated in Google uh, calendars, sorry, Gmail calendar. So everyone can see what's happening. If an event's going to take place, you put it into Google calendars and both parties can see what's happening. The point is that you can't fix it and they can't fix it by themselves. You have to do it together. Unfortunately, the high amount of divorces in consulting is going to tell you that the amount of effort to do this is significant and most people are not willing to do it. Most people we speak to who are going through this, most of them do end up getting divorced because they're not willing to make the effort. For a lot of people, the career is far more important to them and they are not willing to to give it up. We have seen some people who have pretty, uh, I would say, promising careers at the big three leave to join tier two firms in the hope of finding more time for themselves. And what I always point out to people is that tier two firms don't necessarily spend less don't necessarily have better working hours. In fact, I know a couple of tier two firms where the hours are just as aggressive if not worse than uh, the major firms. In fact, in some ways it is worse because at a major firm like McKinsey, there's a lot of resources supporting you. At a smaller firm like Alicare Deloitte, the resources are far less. So things that you took for granted that other people would do, you would have to do it yourself. Like, for example, putting together your slides, doing research. I mean, they're pretty much at your fingertips at the major firms. The smaller firms while the hours may be less, the amount of time you have to invest in to get the quality you were used to at the previous firms 
is significant. Now, my only piece of advice here beyond what I've already given you is to be an adult about this. You know, don't assume you are under attack or your career is under attack or there's a lack of appreciation when you are given this ultimatum. It's probably not an ultimatum. The point is you probably ignored all the signs and the only way to get your attention is to receive an ultimatum. So many people, when they hear this from their partners, they think, oh my God, how inconsiderate is this person to threaten me with divorce without bringing this up? But the point is they probably have brought it up. You know, when you've missed dinner for the eighth time and they probably said they were not happy about it and so on. Those are all issues of bringing it up. So understand the context, understand the agreements made in the past, and understand the expectations. Once you have those clear in your head, then decide how you're going to manage them. In some cases, you will realize you cannot meet those expectations. If you cannot meet those expectations, you may realize divorce is for you. If you can meet those expectations or you can negotiate around those expectations, you should do it. The moral of the story is that I've always found the best management consultants, the ones that always make it to the top and are outstanding, have a very stable home life. Now, this may be counterintuitive given the amount of time consultants work and travel, but I've always said this to even young consultants who reported to me, make sure you spend time with your family and make sure your family keeps you grounded because consulting can derail you very quickly given the lifestyle that you live. I mean... Not all consultants travel first class and live a glamorous lifestyle, but at a certain point you do end up living that as you get, become more and more senior. And it's important that your family, husband or wife or kids keep you grounded. So to be a successful consultant, I think it's important to have a stable family life. And as much as possible, you should try to preserve that. Make sure you are one of those people who who lets their family know that, look, the weekdays are out. I'm going to be working all the time, but weekends are your time. And of course, on a week on a weekday, make sure you do the work so that on a weekend you don't have to cut time out of family time. I do find many consultants, you know, suffer from this problem whereby they're expected to come in early and leave late. And they do it by being less productive. So be productive on a on a on a weekday so that you don't have to cut out family time on a week end. The other thing I would recommend you do is that no, communicate quite often without giving very confidential details. I do find consultants are bad at that. They don't really explain what is happening. When the crisis hits, they expect their family to sort of move themselves around it. And I'd say I'd be guilty of this. I've cancelled more Christmases, New Year's, and Thanksgivings than you can imagine. It's at one point I wasn't even attending those things because, well, you know, my philosophy was work came first and I would do it. But luckily I had a family that understood that and, you know, backed it up. But the point is, there has to be this this tangible acknowledgement that this is an agreement being made. You know, the family has to be aw- you have to be aware your family is making the sacrifice and not just doing it because you're not available. On the other hand, you have to find a way to make sure that they are being rewarded for this. So I do find many consultants are I think have blind blinders on or blinkers when they go through their careers, not understanding that they are taking a toll on their relationships. And when they do get the ultimatum, they're a little bit shocked. And they shouldn't be shocked at all. It's an issue of understanding whether you're meeting the expectations of the relationship. And there's not a lot you can do when you get that ultimatum beyond sitting down with someone and understanding exactly what they're looking for and thinking how you will manage your career and your lifestyle to get there. There are many, many consultants who go through this. I mean, it's normal. The point is you have to fix it because if you don't, the event will take control of your life and it actually what will happen will be not to your liking. It will mostly like lead to divorce or some kind of separation. And finally, remember something. The best consultants, no matter what anyone tells you, are the ones who have stable family lives. Because having a stable family life is kind of a way of making sure that you inject energy into your life. 
you know, being kind of consultant who travels all the time with no family, no you know, personal support and so on, sounds glamorous and it's something you can do well for the first few years, but as you progress up the organization, it becomes difficult to do that. If you have any questions, feel free to write to us.